Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Please visit audiblepodcast.com slash for your free audiobook download. Bad fucking episode. What? Are what? you always <laughs> doing that? It's December 4th, 2013. This is Idle Thumbs 134? Five. I'm Chris Remo. I'm Jake Rodkin. And I'm Sean Vanneman. Hey. Hey. Hey there. Video games. Video games. Motherfucking video games. We haven't recorded one of these in basically two weeks. Yeah. Oh, shit. Wii U owner. I know. What's up? You got a Wii U. I got a Wii U and I was playing it. So I should talk about that. I went to his house and played his Wii U like we were 11. <laughs> it was Jake, fun. can I come over and play your Wii U as a thing I said into a telephone and then did. <laughs> yeah. At 29. Um, last week when Patrick was on, he'd played Mario 3D World a bunch and we were talking about it. But I had not yet bought a Wii U. He told you not to play as Luigi. I played as Luigi. Wasn't that bad. Luigi's great. Patrick is full of shit. Um, <laughs> oh, man. I don't know. I mean, Shots fired. Scoops. What are you going to do? Um, I don't know if I want to talk about Mario 3D World first because I kind of want to talk about the fact that I've been using a Wii U first because that was actually maybe more surprising to me than than 3D World itself, like the actual sure. the actual console. Because I kind of understand all of the insane decisions that exist in the Wii U now that I've held the Wii U. That sounds like a weird like Brecken assessment. It's like I finally understand all of the <laughs> everything that made no sense about it. Brecken lives in an entire world where everything is chaos unorganized just mass chaos and then all of a sudden there are these glimmers of like the beautiful <laughs> mind moments where he understands something all the way down to its atomic and then it's level and, goes, and then i lost it i appreciated it and then it was gone it was good it was good i would say it was good it was good the like the whole weird conceit of the wii U, obviously is that it has that fucking monstrous tablet <laughs> right. thing that's like Two analog sticks. It has all the controls of like uh, a GameCube controller or it's whatever. It's so much bigger than I thought it was going to be. It's just a bubbly fucking beast. But it does the thing that I really like that well-designed video game interfaces do, which is you don't notice it once you're actually using it. Like mm. I'm playing Mario 3D World and then I'm inside the main menu and I'll just realize that I've looked down and I press a button on the touchscreen. And I'm like, uh, uh, I did it. Like I... You know, it's not it's not a thing that I thought I would ever use. I thought it would be annoying. Right. But then the way that the way that all of the interactions between the stupid touchscreen and the stuff on the screen and the analog sticks and stuff are handled, I I I used it without thinking twice about it, which is not the case with the original Wii, where you're like the the sort of clunky fidelity and the weird sort of like foreign learning of how to use the Wii remote to point the little finger oh, sure, at the yeah. menus and stuff. Yeah. If you just throw your finger down on the touchscreen of the Wii U on the main menu. 
wherever you're touching is you don't have to look down at the screen because it draws the little Wii UI hand on the screen. So you can just sort of trace like a right. trackpad and it shows yeah. up on the TV or you can look down and it it's matches. It's kind of like the, what Valve's doing with their controller. Right, except that it's it's similar, except that in this case, since there is a touchscreen, if you also happen to be looking down because you instinctively, like your brain just goes into I'm using an iPad mode, it also is just still working because right. that data is still just showing on the screen. Yeah, sure. It seems incredibly overwrought, but I can see why they thought it was as good of an idea as it is because once you're actually inside of the like weird Nintendo bubble, your brain just sort of goes, oh, okay, now I understand what's going on. Yeah. And I also realize sometimes when I'm playing single player that I just stop looking at the TV and just look down at the controller and I'm just playing it on it as if it's a handheld. Right. And that made me – I mean it's a dumb thing because everyone says it. But I was like, oh, obviously now if my parents were here and I was 11, they could just change the channel and I wouldn't fucking notice. Right. Your girlfriend could change the channel. She could start watching. She's it. not home when I play Mario. <laughs> <laughs> she leaves for the day. Get out. And you just slowly – you see two delicate fingers Let's touch the deadbolt. <laughs> Let's go. You whisper to a cat that looks at you with a sideways glance. <laughs> there's also there's weird weird hardware details like as you turn the volume, the the handheld controller has its own volume control, and as you turn that down, the volume of the TV turns up. Weird. So you, if you have it fifty fifty, you sort of get the ambient yeah. volume of the yeah, TV yeah, yeah. and in the controller. It, that, I didn't know if I liked that, but I thought it was funny that it was just like, right. oh, it's me, Mario. Like, what? <laughs> Hello. I guess Mario's coming out of my TV now. Like, I couldn't tell what was happening before. Yeah. Sorry. The attention to detail in that level is not what I was expecting because I kind of felt like the, the Wii was just kind of fucking sloppy with all that stuff. It felt really cheap to me, even though it was really, really incredibly popular. Like, yeah, yeah. Be, because this – like, I also understand why they called this the Wii – you? I don't understand why they called it the U because it is – you can tell that the operating system and everything is very different and an evolutionary step up from the Wii. But at the same time, like when Sean came over, it's like I don't have a second controller. Wait, I think – and we just paired the original Wii Wiimote mm-hmm. and plugged – and Sean was playing with that for a while mm-hmm. like New Super Mario Brothers where you held it on the side like a Nintendo controller. We're like oh, that yeah. kind of sucks. Plug in the nunchuck and it just – that worked. But then when the level started – and, you know, Sean was Luigi and I was Mario. The little, like, they still went to the effort to support the Wii remote speaker of the, uh, of the original Wii remote, of the original Wii remote. <laughs> right. So mine said, oh, I'm a Mario, and his said, like, Luigi or whatever. But just, like, <laughs> hearing, like, just being able to pick up hardware that I've had sitting in a drawer for, like, three years that I've never yeah. fucking turned on. Right. And then just have that pair instantly and be used to control a game that came out yesterday was not what I expect out of a console at this point. Yeah. Sure. yeah. So great. Nintendo actually, like, they don't have, they do have software parity, but it, you can run all your old Wii stuff, but you have to load a Wii channel, which then blows up a big SD resolution UI of the original Wii operating system. Like, it just has a Wii emulator inside of it, which is fucking shitty. But everything else about it is just like, you can tell after using it exactly why Nintendo had the Wii then made all the things that they did make and like they are logical progressions they just are things that were not remotely appealing to me until the people who made Mario Galaxy made a new Mario game for it which is a disaster because that's also what Nintendo (laughs) knows is going to happen it's fucking disastrous that game is also really fun so for all the people who've been waiting for the Idle Thumbs impressions of the Wii U sorry is this a thumbs up or a thumbs down don't answer that I would say that it's um, a video game console okay join us third quarter 2014 when we review the X-Bone and the PS4. I know, I'm sorry. It's like, <laughs> world, you have all now unwrapped 
and played extensively your first like two weeks man so your on. xbox one and ps4 speaking of just hardware reviews yeah. jake and i were at lunch today with um a friend of a friend who was selling us so fucking hard on the xbox one mm-hmm. uh only because of the app switching he's like it's amazing it's amazing. Let's say you're just like playing some Call of Duty and then you're waiting between rounds. You just flip over and watch some football or watch some Netflix and you just flip back. Like how often do you just flip between like Netflix and what you're doing all the time? Like you're grinding? Like if you're grinding in an Assassin's Creed, it's so great to like watch a movie while you're doing that. And it was like – I was like my first – we're the same age. But I still had this yeah, like yeah. old man moment. Right. You know? And like I was hyper, hyper aware of like I just don't do that. Like, you said that. You were like I think that I'm – experiencing the Danny Glover experience for the first time in my life. Like, at lunch. Yeah. <laughs> I think that was my yeah. exact quote yeah. from it. But apparently that stuff is all, like, super duper duper slick. And that's I've only had two, like, distant interactions with it, and that was that guy trying to say, you need to buy an Xbox because of how well it integrates with cable and Netflix. It's funny because when Patrick was on last week, he said his impression was that that stuff, like, at the most surface level, did a really good job. But once you actually get into the details of... of specific use he felt that it broke down a little bit because you can't like say show me the tv but then make the game quieter like right that simple level of just like i want to hear the football game but i want to play the video game you you can't make it do that i just can't imagine being i don't have the dna or like the brain wiring to sit there and wish that was a feature you know what i mean like i can never imagine being like i wish this football game was just 25 percent volume right now like to, I've never, I don't know. It's to like the a credit personal. of current video game consoles, at least we can have the conversation we just had about the Wii U, and then have the conversation that we're having about the Xbox One, and they are not exactly the same fucking system, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's true. Because PS3, uh, 360, even more extremely, when it was the GameCube, the Xbox, and the PS2, is just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, you're gonna have two analog sticks and a DVD drive. You're basically buying Go. one of these three yeah. circles and a Venn diagram. Oh, sorry. With the GameCube, you're going to have a mini DVD drive that holds a third of the data, but otherwise yeah. it's functionally identical. Yeah. God, that... No. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know if I want to talk about Mario 3D World a ton because we talked about it so much with, yeah, uh, with yeah. Patrick last week. I had fun playing it. It's fun. Did you play any 3D Land, Sean, before we played? Mm-mm. No. Nope. Still, still plunking away at Luigi's Mansion from time to time my 3DS, which I like very much. Yeah. I don't know. I, basically... Everything that I said that I was excited about with 3D World, I'm currently excited about. So, like, I don't know. I don't know if there's a whole lot right. more to go into with that. But, like... You correctly predicted your reaction to that game. Yes. I haven't gotten as far into it as Patrick said that I should get before I before my brain totally explodes. But I accidentally saw a couple screenshots of that stuff. Mm. It apparently does the thing that 3D Land does where it just... You think you get to the end and then it just goes, Oh, it's a new entire Mario game, says Mario inside of the game. Um, does he refer to himself in the third person like that? It's one of my video games. Okay, that's different. Yeah. No, he doesn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah that's, um, that's Waluigi. You're thinking yeah, that's... he's yeah. He breaks the fourth wall much more readily than right. his his, yeah. his wah brother. <laughs> yes. Right. Yeah. His mob brother. God, the worst thing. Did you see that? We're gonna. This is. It's, it's Mario news time for a minute. Mm-hmm. Oh, there hasn't been enough of that in the podcast. The actor who played Luigi in the Super oh, Mario man, Brothers yeah. Super Show passed away today. Yeah. No. Yeah. He, I was working all day. Nearly at the end of the. the yeah. Year so the he could have survived the year of Luigi. Luigi. We're 
we're, it's capped off in the most tragic way where this actually has been a Luigi memorial and we didn't know it. Like, I'm actually yeah. really, like, it makes me really bummed in all possible ways. But it's so poignant, though. God. If it was the last, I wish it was not. Well, I think now we have three weeks left. I thought you were going to just say a completely different thing. Or 28 days left of this, four weeks to the day to celebrate the year of Luigi. Now we have really something to, like, celebrate. Not not how he died, but how he lived. <laughs> As Luigi. In the shadow of his older brothers. <laughs> yeah, no, I thought you were going to say In the something. shadow of the character who was in the shadow that he played. Who was in the shadow. Yeah. Anyway. Do not put horrible words in my mouth. Whatever you thought I was going to say, I, don't I wasn't going to say. Talk about it. Also, that guy was really old. Maybe he wasn't really old, but he's already like in his 70s, I guess. And I, I don't remember him looking that old in the Mario Super Show. Anyway, whatever. I saw that news and I didn't see much more than it, but I just... You're 30-ish. Yeah. It was a long time ago, old Mario Super Show. 20 years ago. Yeah, so he was... It's in... like I was 50? I was Luigi? Whatever. I don't know. I don't know. How old I'm... do you think Luigi is in the text? Well, the guy who played Mario already died, right? Did he? Uh, maybe. Yeah, but the year for you, Mario is every year. Yeah. <laughs> we don't celebrate. Mario, every year is basically Where's the year Mario, Mario history Where's month. Mar- am I right? <laughs> Where's the year of Mario? Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mario Entertainment Television. God, someone fucking tweeted that to me when yeah. we were talking about this, and it cracked me up. Anyway, um,. I don't know what I don't know what I'm saying about this, but you're just, actually it, bummed about it. It really it made me sad for many reasons. One of which was this is the year of Luigi, and I was excited. And I was hoping that guy would actually like. It seems like the kind of guy who would show up and be like, "Oh man, it's the year of Luigi." Remember me? I was Luigi, but instead he fucking died. Yeah, Lou Albano died in. Uh, this is Mario. 2009. Yeah. The guy who played Mario at age uh, 76. He was a professional wrestler. I didn't even know that. Yeah. From 1953 until 1969, he was a professional wrestler. Think about that. that. That guy had an entire career starting in 1953, and then... And then he's like, what the fuck is Mario? Fine, I'll do this. (laughs) It's so weird. A guy who was a professional wrestler in 1953 sang the Mario rap in the closing credits of every episode of the Super Mario Brothers Super Show. Yeah. He wanted you to swing your arms from side to side. I think we're done with our Nintendo news for the duration of Idle Thumbs. Until, of course, I get to the special world. <laughs> I decided to finally download either Pokemon or the new Zelda, which I have not done. Because I've been indulging in the Steam Thanksgiving sale. What'd you get? All sorts of stuff. I got, well, I'll tell you what I got. Yeah. I got a text message from Pierre Charette and Nick Brecken that simply said, buy NBA 2K 2014. <laughs> and I went, what? It's on sale. Purchase yeah. it. Uh-huh. Did I you? Like, I literally like went to the Steam app on my phone, purchased it and installed it on my home computer and then like <laughs> went back, like switched back to the on the iPhone text message screen and went, done. And they went, really? I was like, yes. <laughs> it is done. So Did I think you play gonna... with them? No. I haven't done that yet. So I you bought it in the Steam sale, you say? This game that you bought Immediately and then uh, didn't play. I bought that game. <laughs> uh, hey, come on. I bought... Uh, I, I didn't own Fez for the PC, so I bought that. And I bought Call of War as Gunslinger. Oh, yeah. You, you're into it, right? Yeah. Have you, played any, have you played through the first like hour of Fez before? Nope. The problem is being on this podcast is that you buy games and then... Chris talks about them, or you talk about them for half an hour, and I go, oh, I don't need to play that now because I'm not bringing any value to the podcast. Yeah, I know. Right? I, yeah, I, know <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. It's the, the fucking like, worst. That's what's been the craziest thing for me about 
just Spelunky dominating all my gaming brain is that I it's like I'm constantly racked with guilt because I know it's not going to give me anything else to talk Good. about. You're podcast. ruining the podcast. You're killing us, Chris. <laughs> I know. The numbers are down. <laughs> Chris, when, when you were talking about Fez, you said that the like basically like the second playthrough or like the back half of the play experience is when it was super, super good to you. But even In, just – I'm sorry. What game? Fez. Oh, Fez, yeah. But even uh, knowing you're probably not going to get that far into it or at least the odds are low. And I'll tell you why I bought it when you're ready. I'll at least say play the first 40 minutes because yeah. it's really cool. I, no, I totally agree with that. that. I agree I that the opening is strong. Yeah. I'm going to do some sort of when it's when 2014 reveals how it can be done. I'm going to do some sort of steam machine slash like whatever stream my games from my PC to my living room TV and then play the game with my wife. Oh yeah, Fez. She cool. really I mean, hates like being in the office. Like yep. I'm like come in the office, we'll play a video game and she's like I hate it in <laughs> here. Yeah. Yeah. Um Call of Juarez is fucking good. Idle Thumbs review score. Call of Juarez, Gunslinger. Gunslinger. Because there's other Call of Juarez. Yeah, 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 of course. Of who course. who I made this? One. Do you know? Yep. Do you want to tell me? I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. I think Ubisoft published it. Yeah, it's their series for sure. It's a company. Yeah. Video game developers work there. Yeah, yeah. They got some programmers there. white dudes probably. Just based on my knowledge. Uh, not, not in totality, but in... Um, it's developed by Techland. Yeah, Techland. Those guys. Who's from Poland? Poland, so definitely, definitely a bunch of white dudes. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's hear about... Oh, wait, they made... God, what did Techland... They made... Um, they made, like, some kind of zombie game or something? They made Dead Island or some of them. Oh, no. did they? They made Dead Island? That was Deep Silver. No, they're a publisher. Sorry. Oh, Techland produced Dead Island, apparently. Weird. Okay. Says the Wikipedia. Anyway, you want to talk about this game? It's good. It's a good game. The thing that's... uh, I mean, I think people have already said this a lot, but uh, it's just a really... The the clever framing device for the game... No, they developed Dead Island. Is... Okay. um, Is... Clever. It is good and affecting. Are you not so, saying it because it's it would? Be no, a I'm gonna. Now I'm Conqueror? going to say what okay, it is. I'm okay. just. <laughs> Are you saying it backwards? I'm saying it backwards because I assume it. that because I'm whatever it came out in October, a couple months behind in the game, that people have heard a little bit about it. But I haven't really actually. Yeah, so I. the opening cutscene of the game is actually important and not just some bullshit, and it's just 2D flats basically, but. Your guy is a bounty hunter who walks into a bar and somebody recognizes him and then says, I'm going to buy you a beer. And then a conversation starts between you, who's a, the, the bounty hunter named Silas, I think. And then are the bartender. The I think you are a gunslinger. I mean, the, the, the game is. Gunslinger? The game is titular. very robust with gunslingers mm. of mm. all shapes and sizes. Right. So Call of Wars Gunslinger is singular, yeah. probably is more. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Drop look, I'm all, I'm all, I just kind of started it, so sure. I don't yeah, know. If at one point, like some guys die. Maybe one like, gunslinger will become so preeminent in the events of the game that it will become clear why they only named it. I would assume it is the protagonist, which is yeah. which would be me. But I mean, look, this game's already so. It's like when it's, someone goes, <laughs> "Think you're a gunslinger?" Right. No, I think it would be. And the, then guy, the title card comes up. I got you shoot a guy gunslinger. in a in a <laughs> duel, and then it's like, nice shot. Gunga Galunga. Gunga Galunga. Bill Murray's the best. Gunslinger. <laughs> and then he dies. 
It's very specific content. Spoilers here. <laughs> Spoilers within. Uh, yeah, I'm only like I'm only a few levels in. Like, decided uh, to play games slowly. But you see, so you're in this bar. There's a bartender. There's you know like a, a cast of characters, and there's a young kid who's like reading about you right now in like a dime store novel or like a whatever, like a serial comic. And then there's like some floozy um, who's unfortunately rendered as some floozy. Uh, and an old guy with like an eye patch, but they all kind of know a little bit about you or want to know more about you. So he starts saying like, "Oh yeah, like, like he was on the run, like or he had this like he was embroiled in some drama with Billy the Kid." And the story starts, and then it's just all framed through him telling the story of his life experience. Is that through narration or something? Yeah, but the narration isn't just Bastion style. Like, so I go upstairs and there's Billy, which happens. Mm-hmm. It's also the other characters in the bar commenting and asking questions mm. about it. So it's like, oh my god, then what'd you do? Like, oh, were they tough? Like, you know, where were they? And like, so you're in a big gunfight, and like three, like basically all the things that happen in an action in a first-person shooter action video game are all given context in a really like refreshing way. Mm. So when there's like a wave, he's like. These guys just kept on coming. They must have come on down from Oklahoma, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just blasting these guys in the game, like, in right. real time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And my guy is talking and telling the story in the bar. But that level of detail to mm-hmm. this stupid fucking... That would just be treated as guys. a thing you do yeah. in right. a yeah, halo. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you yeah. know? It's like, oh, no, there's just a wave of guys because that's what you put here. Like, there's four waves and you're going to clear it. Like, the fact that each one of those isn't always given that level of context, but can readily be given that context sure. inside of the framing device um, is so, so, so refreshing. And the voice, the, the dialogue's good, and like the voice acting is good. But it does another thing that it might put some people off. Um, is this thing you tweeted about? Because I was going to ask you about it. No, that thing is actually really okay. good. I see your eyes. You don't think it's good? It's fucking good. I'll <laughs> sell right. you on it. All right, keep going. But it does another thing, which is, you know, he tells us, he's like, so I, like, so run on down to the stable. And he, like, gets in there. This is, like, the, in the first act, so I'm not really spoiling anything. Or the first level. God, a guy goes to a stable. Well, well and, like, what's even the point of playing the game In now? there, he finds the sheriff. And what the, are you doing? The, There's the a sheriff in this? And the kid in the, in, like, the kid that you, in the bar pipes up. And you hear him be like, oh, no, I totally know what happens because I just read this. You guys got into a crazy gunfight. And then, like, sure enough, like. You're now drawing down on each other, and it introduces the mm-hmm. the gunfight mechanic. Yeah, and he's like asking questions about gunfighting to your character yeah. in VO while you're doing it. Yeah, and it's not is it's well handled. Like it's not super. It doesn't come across as tutorial or anything like that. It's all in world. It's all just flavor. So I pressed the A button. Yeah, there's none of that shit. Yeah, um, all that stuff is is yeah. on screen UI, which is fine. Um, but you get in this really bloody gun battle where you learn to like shoot a guy in the face and it's grotesque and there's blood everywhere and then your main character just goes yeah that's a great story but that's not at all what happened and then shows you the very like human real thing that happened which is him just getting fucking cold clocked like just knocked out and then it brings you to the next level and you so it's it's nice that everything that happens that's sort of larger than life in the game mm-hmm. that is just absurd and almost michael bay-esque yeah is all framed ends up being framed oftentimes as tall tale right because he's negating it even though you're playing through it as real right and then it rewinds or it jumps back or something like that so it yeah. does like jump back and then you experience it a different way yeah and all that stuff is, works really well like it feels like a very 
like honest way to do a lot of video game nonsense, you know? Uh, sure. And I think you only probably get one chance at doing that. Like somebody can't bite right. this style. That's, and then, yeah, yeah, that's the same way I felt about like Spec Ops, right? Where I don't know if right. you play that it's, up, but much, it's like I think it's you a can much, kind of do it once and then – I would say it's a much better game yeah, holistically than sure. Spec Ops. No, no, I, I believe that. Like I Spec just, Ops doesn't feel like a holistic piece Yeah, no, no, no. I, I, I agree that game wasn't fully successful in what I tried to do. I just meant – it felt similar to me of like this conceit is so specific and like constructed – that you couldn't just have it be a normal thing that games right. do all the time or else it would lose all value. Well, Spec Ops felt – I mean, incre- like this is not at all to like – this isn't insight into the development or anything. Yeah. But the mechanism of Spec Ops felt like a solution to a bland game. Like how do we make this game specific and unique? Whereas Call of War as Gunslinger feels like the day one creative conceit. Everything we do is going to be framed towards this device, and this is the why we're making. The I game. really want to play it, and that's sure. fucking a big deal mm-hmm. to me. I think the reason why it's a more appealing pitch to me than Spec Ops, having not actually played either of those games yet, is the sort of the things that you expect in the already existing narrative genre of like old west tall tales is the exact right. imagery that you see in yeah. the, in this game. Exactly, so it's like, so that's like, exactly. Oh, right. I know. I know what this is as a game. It's this other type of game, but now we can actually like make it make sense versus being like, yeah. Probably like you shoot you some guy. The things that, that you do in a game uh, yeah. are so terrible. So let's tell you that they're terrible versus being like this. This pre-existing genre is fun and over the top because of these things. Okay, good. Our job's done. Like, do right? It. It's, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. It's coming at it from the opposite side. It feels side. like the genre I, the is really intelligently considered. The thing I would. I don't know if I actually want this necessarily, but a thing that just popped into my brain as you were describing the conceit of the game is a moment where, I don't know, like you could just imagine a a situation in which the main character has a contract to like find and kill a guy or something. And like there's like um, you could you could go either way with this depending on whether you want the main character to be like sympathetic or not. But you could imagine a version where the people hearing the story are like, oh, and you found him and like, oh, I heard about this. Like, you just you just let him go. Like, you you let him, you just said never come back and leave. And then you're in the fucking gameplay that your guy just shoots him in the head and says yes. Yeah, I mean, I think right. I don't know if I, something like that can happen yet because I'm only right. in maybe an hour and a half in, not very far. And all the tools are there for that stuff to exist. Right. Which is exciting to me. Yeah. I'm excited by what's going to yeah. happen narratively <laughs> in a fucking video game. Yeah. <sighs> so good. Yeah. I'm really, really stoked about it. But the thing that you were you raised an eyebrow oh, to, right. which is I was playing the game and he was talking about being locked in jail, which is a second level. And um, as he's locked in jail, he says something. He's just having a conversation about trying to get out of here. But I was like, oh, I really need to kill these subtitles because they're like they're no good. I just gotta. It's not. They're not working for me. So I hit start to tear off the subtitles, and the whatever VO line was in the middle of being played, just sort of like continued to execute. And the way that the UI is drawn over the game is just sort of like the way I would describe the feeling of it is like when you're looking at whatever you're experiencing in real life. Like I'm looking at you right now, and then like I know my like. I need to turn my phone off because I heard it just buzz. But I'm thinking about that, but I'm still looking at you. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, hold on, let me just turn the subtitles off. But I'm still seeing 
what's in front of me right. and I'm finishing my thought sure. and I'm changing my attention to this thing and bringing back to it. It totally works. Huh. It's fucking Can clean you, I mean, and there, nice. Are, can't you imagine a time where that would be kind of annoying though? Like if you actually are just like getting a phone call you need to take or someone comes into your room and like actually just needs to talk to you. I mean, I, mean, I guess it's not that big a deal, but it, it just seems like the kind of thing that would just be kind of a But I mean, I think the game knows it's not, it's, first off, you're not in the menu that often. Like, I just really, like, you're either in the menu to quit out of the game. He means, like, if you just pause it to put the game yeah. for a minute. Yeah, I mean, like. Oh, the game doesn't continue forever. It just finishes its thought. Yeah, I know. I just, I guess it, I guess if the lines aren't that long, I guess it's not a big deal. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. just thinking of, like, if I pause a game, it seems like, it feels to me just, my knee-jerk reaction, obviously not based on having played it, but it just seems like that would be kind of annoying, but maybe not. It's not because it's there. You would have like unless you pause the game and sprint out of the room, like you're not. <laughs> right. It's not. It's it's just a nice smooth transition into the menu. Sure, that's the only way I would describe it. Okay, and enough. it doesn't. The menus don't. The, like the background of that is the menus don't seem like an afterthought. Yeah. The menus seem like in all the UI. Jake would appreciate this. It's all cleanly integrated into the game as part of the game. Right. Even though you're not playing the menu or anything like that. Like, yeah. the UI designer on this game is fucking good. Like, that guy... Yeah, no, that's yeah, cool. I, would, like, I'm, I mean, yeah. I'm super curious to check this out now. Yeah, it's great. Um, I, yeah. You know, I'm waiting... You know, hopefully it's like I don't go on a podcast if you're playing 90 minutes of it and be like, buy it! And then play, uh, what, 180 minutes of it and go... Oh, right. fuck. When well, it thing, makes a terrible thing, turn. And I'm, yeah. right, and I'm not I'm not predicting this at all or anything, but I you know, saying that reminds me of of um Fear God, was it Fear Three, I guess? Which, Fear Three? Fear Three, yeah. I, I think that's the one I'm thinking of, Fear Three. Um maybe it was Fear Two. God, I can't even remember. One of the sequels to Fear starts out and you're I mean, I guess they all kind of start like this, I guess, in a way. But like you're afraid? You <laughs> you um <laughs> You have like a team and you're going into this, uh, you know, you're trying to find the girl Alma like you do in those games. And uh, Alma? Alma. And, Alma. Um, and you go into like like a hotel or something or like an like a office building. I can't remember. An abandoned one? Yeah. Is it haunted? Everything's basically abandoned and haunted. It's sort of green. <laughs> like all of the above always. Um, and like there's just a, the beginning of, that, of whichever one it is, for two or for three, I hate that I can't think of it, um, is just really front-loaded. With a lot of really, I think, super charming, like, banter between you and your squad mates and, like, they're giving each other shit about, like, past experiences they've had and, like, kind of, um, like, just doing things that you would imagine these characters doing and saying given, like, the characters are supposed mm -hmm. to portray. And, like, it came off as very human and, like, believable to me. And that lasts for, like, the, you know, the first, like, two levels of the game basically and then it just becomes kind of just a, sh a shooter and it feels like and what i heard was that the um the guy so craig hubbard actually who steve interviewed on um tone control tone control recently a podcast that i think i mean correct me if i'm wrong but i think it's available on the idle thumbs podcast network oh, would it be located maybe at like idle net slash tone control that's a good place to start and yeah. if it's not there I would probably check tonecontrol.com. I, I feel like no. the most recent episode of Tone Control might feature Far Cry 2 creative director Clint Hawking talking oh, about cool the creation show. of Far Cry 2. But I'm only, not sure if that's the case. Wait, wait, wait. Is Far Cry 2 that game that we like? That might have been Far Cry 3 or Far no, Cry 1. I, I, I think it was 2. Oh, it was I think it was 2. two. Okay. I think we've talked about it on the podcast before. If we haven't, 
You guys should definitely check out Far Cry 2. I don't know what episode we talked about Far Cry 2 on, but... Um, I think it was oh, semi-recent. I think, yeah, I think it was... Um, I think it was all of them. <laughs> I think it was all the episodes. So I could be wrong Show about me that. all the episodes. Yeah, show me... Show me all the episodes. <laughs> yeah, definitely the way the feed Bay, you should probably actually listen to Tone Control this week because Clint Hawking's on it, and it's a really good episode. And then rewind one episode and listen to Mr. Hubbard talk about was that just the previous one yeah, yeah talk about some things you were about to talk about yeah so he he basically did like he was the guy who who was that the was the best pro- ad read we've ever done for anything on idle thumbs by the way so let's just keep going now second best <laughs> um he was the he well he was the creative director on the no one lives forever games and then also the original fear and i just can't remember off the top of my head you know like the degree to involvement in, in two and three on a, at a specific level but i heard he did kind of a writing pass on the early stuff in this game. And I remember thinking like, oh man, I wonder if that's why it feels like it just totally is when so you're in the Hubbard zone. Or, yeah. yeah. You know what, I mean, yeah. it's tough though, right? Not a lot of games of that genre can maintain the stuff that they often put in the yeah, first Yeah, because it's so dense and you need like tons of content in those games that's <clears throat> right. repeatable. Well, you also, I mean, you've created a very hyper-specific verb set mm-hmm. that negates your ability to really wander a wider path than the killing. Right. And I feel like... But the stuff that the player is doing for the entire game is basically going to be killing guys. Right. Well, the thing, so, like, I mean, I will say... that tall tale last, right? Like, well, with Juarez, you get a little wider path, I think, just because so much of what you hear about in like old west tall tales are like shootouts and mm-hmm. you know gang fights totally. and yeah, whatever yeah, yeah. and it all there's something about it being of a like of such a far gone era mm-hmm. that it ranks up there with sort of like slaying an orc which is gross, but, but you know what I mean, though? It's like it doesn't yeah. feel real sure, because yeah, it's yeah, cowboys yeah. There's still, shooting there's bandits. There's only so much it's of a that thing that, that largely can... exists in mythology. You know what's funny is I was running through the first level and I was like, man, I'm just – this is gross. Like there's this – like I shot a guy in the eye, but I'm like, whatever. It's a fucking cowboys game. Like whatever. Bandits. Yeah. Like I didn't feel bad at all. But I was like, this is gross. But I, don't, I felt like a little kid who's sort of old enough to like – like imagine really gross shit happening you know what i mean who's like a little kid who probably saw die hard you know but still playing make-believe with his buddies running around right. the backyard uh-huh. like that era of kid Should not so mimes the eyes splatting out with his hand yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. it's like all oh, sick you yeah. know like grody like i felt like right. that you know and <laughs> you i feel like a kid saying grody yeah that's pretty accurate but that's like that's really a nuanced very that's a very specific f- feeling mm-hmm. because it doesn't even though to like the naked eye, it still is like pound for pound the same grotesque violence you'd see in GTA. The framing device of it and the way I experience it, and this is all social coding. I'm not saying I'm not trying to judge this up or down or right or wrong. Like this is probably this is more this is probably just fucked up. Um, lets me experience it the same way I would play like like cowboys shoot them up with my buddies when I was eight or nine right you know um and that was really fun but because like there's a tiny like there's a small little piece of my brain that wants to hold on that's to an cyn- adult oh that wants, well, I was just saying, wants to hold on to cynicism okay. <laughs> um, no that's being that probably is just being an adult it's sort of like actually again i shot a guy in an eye and i was like oh sick <laughs> like in my brain and then i went and then, so then, and then i went if i have to shoot an indian 
this is going to take a turn. <laughs> like, that's yeah. what I thought to myself. Like, if they make me shoot an Indian, I'm fucking over it. Like, I can't handle it. I'm going to have to walk away from this fucking game. But I haven't done that yet. So, we'll see. Yeah. Check back next week. Uh, let's put the gun down. Either way, the there's no down. way this thing can sustain at that level for <laughs> 10 hours and continue to be fresh unless it is paced in a way that, like... A full fucking fade out. Oh my god! Can I say five minutes stop and or five seconds stop, and then then you know at this point I could probably stop playing for a minute and come back refreshed, or I can make the choice to just continue to. Have oh, this I thought you were gonna say. No, I thought you were gonna say. Fucking. I thought you were gonna say at that point in the game they just like the story reaches a point where your narrator's. And then I killed a lot of guys. <laughs> Six more. Like they get exhausted. Oh, that's like, hey, that's what it just has. Just, like he slings two shotguns. Yeah, then it's still guns, lots bandoliers. of guns. Yeah, and I yeah. never hear from the cast of characters that I've grown accustomed to and the entire the end, time. That's pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> and then you hear the kid just go, Grody. Wow, Mister. Uh, golly I think you would you'd probably want to go full 80s just have that kid go holy shit (laughs) 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 he's suddenly like the fat kid who says that also probably right yeah No, I just mean I think even if the even if they keep up specific content of the right. level that it sounds like they have, all right, eight hours of that, you're gonna just be like, shut up. Can I tell you what my hope is? And okay. this is seriously like, I want to hear your hope. Gamespot commenter, like, like, <laughs> just. I hope they have eight hours of unique dialogue. I no, I saw that. I, I saw that the game was originally priced at thirty bucks or twenty five or something, and I went, oh, thank fucking Christ! I hope it's only four hours. <laughs> That's like, the was, actual opposite of a game. It's the same like mentality, but just the opposite and I want, like, desire of oh every game. The fact that commenter. I could buy four well, hours of game for thirty bucks, like, I would have bought this for sixty if it was four hours. Yeah, if, it's, right. if it's that dense and just ends, oh my god, amazing! Yeah, yeah, yeah. If it's four hours and I don't shoot a Native American like or an American Indian, that's what to be appropriate. Then I'll be I'll a solitary one tear will fall. Yeah. Is that what will happen? Like that in an American Indian, where the guy litters. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's. So, I mean, we've talked about this before. Jake <laughs> is destroying himself right now. But uh, well, because what's funny is I don't know. We were in the car or something, mm-hmm. and we were just talk, like, talking about Gone Home's reception. Yeah, <clears throat> and this isn't to be Gone Home apologist and the idle thumbs cabal, but we were talking about it might actually be a cartel. I was checking in with that four chan image. Uh, we'll call it the cabal. We know what it is. They, they, mis- they misnamed it. The guy right. got it wrong. So so listen up, sheeple, because this is fucking real. <laughs> um, you were talking about Gone Home being like three hours for 20 bucks. And we might have been sitting right here, actually, but not the mics run on it. And you said, well, if it was nine hours for 60 bucks, nobody would have a fucking problem with it because that is how long you expect a 60-hour game to be. Right. And that is the exact same ratio of minute per dollar right. to Gone Home. And even if you beat Gone Home in like two hours, it's still it's basically in the same ballpark. And we were also talking, I remember, about Bioshock That was Infinite. actually it was in reference to Burial at Sea because Burial at Sea is... Burial at Sea. I think I heard Barry. Like the it's guy's name. The pers- like the amount of playtime that Burial at Bur- Sea burial is... Burial at Sea. Burial? Like Burial at Sea is was it twenty bucks? No, it's fifteen. I think. Fifteen, twenty bucks for the. It was for two. Both it was, I think it was about it's two 15, hours for fifteen dollars. But it's about is, a quarter of the length of Bioshock Infinite's single player campaign. Right, for a quarter of the and price. And people yeah. were fucking going apeshit because it was yeah. fifteen dollars. But for, yeah, it seems like most of these games end up falling in roughly that, basically that essentially that ballpark. Right, they're all different. Obviously, they're not all 
precisely right. you know rated for that. But I mean, like it's ultimately, like, look, it's about you're paying what it is. a little under seven dollars an hour for entertainment. Deal with it. Yeah. Oh, you went to a movie this weekend. Did you pay a little under seven dollars an hour to see your movie at a yeah. nice theater? Exactly. Like, I don't know. It's but like, also, like, who gives a fuck? But uh, yeah, I just want something that's good. Right. I mean, I, don't, yeah, I just even, want something that's good. No, I feel the same that's way. It. Like, that's one of the things that makes it so hard for me to have those conversations in the first place. Because I just don't. I've realized actually the way that I consume video. We've probably talked about this on the podcast before. I guess the way I play video games, either I want it to be of like eminently reasonable length, or I'm just going to replayable. Yeah, like it's got to be. It's got to be one or the other. Like I don't want to play a game that is just normally going to take twenty hours. I don't want to do it. And I know there's lots of people who do. And it's fine that they you do. You want the couple but, hours. But I'm also I not just... worried about those games going away ever. I'm really not worried about exactly. Skyrim scale games disappearing yeah, off the face I'm of not, the Yeah, I'm not either, right? Because they're yeah. super successful. So, Oh, man, we bought all these PC parts today. Yeah. And one of them's coming with Assassin's Creed Black Flag. Oh, I want to play that. <laughs> Wait, it's coming with that and it's also coming with what? Splinter Cell Blacklist. Because it's Black Friday's <laughs> deal. Black Fr- what? Black, Black Flag Blacklist. No, hilarious. Yeah. I actually really, I actually really want to play... <laughs> Black flag because I was talking about it. Black with flag. Black flag. <laughs> Your fucking black flag. Um, I was talking to some coworkers about that game. About what game? Black flag. Okay. And well, that's about the end of that. That's I, I, yep. I had to get one more out. Yep, it's dead now. Um, What's dead? The game that I just mentioned. Oh. Hmm. Assassin's Creed Four. Hmm. The um, black flag. The black. <laughs> the black flag. And um, they were. Saying some shit about the framing device in that game that sounded the most insane. Oh, like the animus? Gar- no, way crazy. Apparently, what? Apparently, <laughs> what I what I heard the gist of what I heard are was gonna, are these are these are these AC four BF spoilers? This is an AC four BFS. Uh-huh. Oh, I don't know if I can experience this. Listeners, I'm going to tell you what I heard is that you are an animus QA person. Oh, I've heard this too. Who's going inside of the content as ostensibly a fictional tester, and then you rate the content when you get through it. Oh, I didn't hear the rating part. Apparently, but I heard yeah. that you like come upon the box for this video game in the game. Like oh you my find, God. I totally wish I did not have an NDA from my not the last job I had, but the job before that, because I have a fucking story about this type of framing device. It would have been amazing if they actually made the game. Sorry. Well, now, well, good. Thanks. I'll for tell. It, I'll tell you. Uh, uh, <laughs> sorry, that's fucking good. Sean's just like a subtweet. Oh, anyway, yeah, the sorry, thing that's weird to me about it is that delete all that. Oh. It seems. I guess I the way that I. I, why it's is so that not better. the only thing anyone's saying about this game? It's, right? it's, it's <laughs> so much more hilarious than, I'm the guy who's going to go inside this animus. Like, it's way better yeah. to be like, what's this video game? <laughs> it's got a video game with a video game, and I'm a pirate. Like, <laughs> fucking weird. Anyway, I'm also an old man now who's discovered my own old, inner yeah. old man. It only anyway, better it if you whistled to... on some of your on some of your vowel pronunciations. <laughs> a salty pirate. Like, uh... <laughs> yeah, it makes me want to play this game, though, just to see see how far they push it because this series- well, you and i talked about this mm-hmm. on idle thumbs 67 what rolling with the pope okay i remember it because it was one of the first idle thumbs i was it was, it was oh, probably okay. like 57 57 maybe yeah uh, we were in the the fox plaza yeah that was studio. assassin's creed 2 probably yeah. That we were talking about yeah. yeah when you were talking about this mugging guys like yeah right like yeah, yeah, yeah. wilding out like yeah. diddy yeah and uh we just talked about how these games would be completely compelling, like yeah, if they didn't have all that bullshit on yeah. them. Yeah, and it doesn't make the game better. It doesn't make the franchise more sellable. 
they never use any of the animus. At like, least in this one, they might be doing something weird with it. Right, I mean, no, that's you know what's, what's funny, so funny is about it. Never, it sounds so wait, bonkers. you guys both had something that was funny about it. I wouldn't, but funny, not haha. Funny as I know, but you can't. Oh, like a clown, like it amuses you? Yeah, get your fucking shine box. <laughs> funny, like peculiar, is that they never use any of that framing device to actually sell or market the game to the public. Like, none of that stuff is ever wrapped up. It only up. markets it to nerds. But in where? Like, in, like, it doesn't do it in the trailers. It On the do internet. It. Does it I really, guess, though? In, I in imagine conversation. The people, the people, like, oh, people, this time we're going to be. Yeah, I think it's there to give. To like, add, we play as Walter. For the people who write the Wikia articles. It's there to like, add, like, lore-based yeah. talking points I think, to people I think who you are, are like, what does yeah. Animus mean? Am I gonna, are we, you know, like, I don't know. It feels like they, need, they felt like they needed that six years ago when the first Assassin's Creed came out. They yeah, but like, the way we that, need a framing device because we can't just do something right, that's historical see, fiction. I, you're right, but the thing is, people who make video game lore, I feel like, have a weirdly high idea of how can like how consistent their canon needs to I be. I write yeah. video game lore, Chris. We've all written video game lore. That's We've true. all written we goblin all, lore. We all have, but <laughs> but I don't think any of us have made sequels. I guess, Jake, you worked on... I worked, on, Sam and Max. I worked on three Sam and Max games. And Monkey Island. Island. Island, like the least we canonical we were, games. We were also on Monkey Island. We, were on the, like, we, were on, we worked on the fifth Monkey Island game, which oh, was true. in that's canon. That but I canon. fucking... But the thing Poker is, at the, same point, at the same point, like... To your point, like... It's not the same. We go into a meeting room and we're like, oh, God, I hate the fucking the canon. Lore. I don't want to hear a word about it. Let's just tell yeah. a good story and yeah. make sure it doesn't offend anybody. Yeah. Well, exactly. Yeah. And, um... I, it, it seems very much... I think that it was not... We need to have lore because it was cool. My suspicion is... From moment one, they were like, Assassin's Creed is mechanics in a setting like this. It's not about the Crusades, but it's about, like, how can we extrapolate this? We have to sell it in a room at Ubisoft. You're like, and then maybe in the next one, you're right. in colonial America. And they're like, right. well, that doesn't make any sense. You can't, yeah. you can't just be like, well, you're his great-grandson. And you're like, well, get this. <laughs> right. You're inside of a virtual world that lets you go into any point in history that you want, and then you can be the assassin. Yeah. Okay, I'll green like that. Like that's, yeah. I think that's probably where that fucking shit came from. You know what? Though I think like, to so. the point you about your lore, I don't like your lore point. But I don't think it's necessarily, concerning your lore point. Well, I don't think it's necessarily like something inherent to people who make video games. I what I think it is is it's more well, the thing a- you do hate, which is a prescribed like style of creative expression. Where it's like, oh, we have to. You gotta get your lore locked in. Yeah, you gotta gotta lock in. And people are like, oh, fuck, I'll fucking figure out how to make this all sync up with canon, because otherwise the fans would. I don't think it's actually like a genre fiction that is serialized. But I think the creators like that stuff. I mean, I I think. I think that's an unfair assertion to make. Why? Why is that. Why is that. Why is that less fair than. You're kind of asserting a, like, sort of audience contempt, though, right? Like, why is that good? No, it's not necessarily for the audience. I'm saying because the same reason you put certain features into a first-person shooter, like, oh, you have to have this. You have to have upgradable weapons. You have to have this because that's what people do now. I feel like people do the exact same thing with creative content because, well, we have to have lore. We have to have stuff that explains it all because that's what you do. I think there are people inside of video game development who like creating lore, but I also think, like, George R.R. Martin obviously fucking loves lore, and the common denominator is... They're writing fantastical serialized genre fiction. Right, but he's not doing that just because he thinks that's what people want. He no. probably fucking super loves it. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's probably true in a lot of video games. I think videos. lore is sometimes a just prescribed convention as opposed to it is to, like, people... I suspect really both like things it. are true. Yeah, yeah, that's all I'm saying. Well, I think one of that's the... That's what re- I'm saying. Sometimes yeah. it's a lot... I'm, not, I'm, I'm yeah. sure. I do think that it's... I'm trying to just be a little more fair to the people who work in the industry. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the people who work in the industry, a lot of them have a lot of the same... Taste is the people they're making games for, which is why they're making games for those people. 
it's funny that when you get, come out of a GDC though, and you don't feel that way, because like yeah. you know what I mean. You go out yeah. drinking with people, and they're like, "Oh fuck, I had to make a stupid fucking thing about this." Yeah, but I meet a lot of developers who, I mean, I don't know. I, we, I'm not saying this as a slam. I meet a lot of developers who really just do think that I think stuff that is, is awesome. I think that is totally true, and I think sometimes it is. Like I watch a fuckload of TV and read books like that and play games like that, and I enjoy it. I don't like making it, but I also, I also think. Sean's point is probably also true and probably increasingly true because there are things like a independent game studio founded recently called No Goblin, which is a code for <laughs> don't put fucking goblin yeah. shit lore in your video game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, no, who found No Goblin? Uh, Dan Teasdale, I think. Oh, really? Uh -huh. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. I, if I'm getting that wrong, but sorry to everyone involved. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> Dan's current employer. I think <laughs> the same way that... What you were just saying about GTA scope games and Skyrim scope games are always going to exist. They're going to be just like lore tomes are not going to yeah. disappear. But I think there are people who have felt like they've been working on games that have to have tomes of lore who probably don't want to be doing that anymore. And it's because it's I'm sure that's true. Yeah. I wonder how much of the, the animus stuff is just grandfathered into the franchise, though. Where well, it was the, like it put it in the first one because it was a video game and you wanted to have the digital like, wah, 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 like gl glitching out right. shit on yeah. the front of the thing and then they put yeah. all that stuff in to make it feel like fresh and like of the moment well, one of the and now they're like oh it's a multi 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 million dollar franchise it's a so yearly we, sequel yearly we got, animus what? we have to yeah. hold on to the year. animus well, every the, year can't delete the animus this we is one of the reasons the, animus is a pillar Assassin's Creed without animus it's just this is Creed negative miss yeah one of the one of the things that one of the reasons I want to play Assassin's Creed 4 is because so with Assassin's Creed, you want to find out what's going to happen with inside of the animus. Well, I want to know if the Pope is still around, the alien Pope. No, but um, <laughs> there's, um, there wasn't an alien Pope. I, there was like a Pope visited by aliens. It's pretty similar. Was it really? Well, in the end of Assassin's Creed Two, you're hanging out with the Pope, and there's an alien there, and like they're having. I mean, are you are you are you like trolling right now? Is it the serious no? thing? Assassin's I don't Creed, believe you right now. Assassin's Creed, Assassin's Creed Two was about like aliens who who have technology on the planet that's like in a staff or an apple or whatever and the reason people in history are powerful is because they have the alien apple or the alien are you fucking reading a mad lib that's not true is that real yes yeah that's what that game is and the pope has like <laughs> the pope staff has the like alien power but you get it i think and what like, are the chances that that alien power is what creates the animus later yeah probably i probably I mean, I'm 90% certain this is what that game is it's about. It's fine. You know what? We don't need no, to no, no, no. this. We've said we're not sure if it's true. Your earnestness was enough. <laughs> but anyway, the reason I, the reason I bring so it up... So that's either true or it was an amazing well, so, <laughs> misread of Assassin's Creed 2. <laughs> anyway, the re but the reason I'm bringing it up is because it felt like in that game... Okay, I, I, after that game, I got pretty burned out on Assassin's Creed and I only played bits and pieces of the next few. I only played one and then Brotherhood, Brotherhood yeah. but only mm -hmm. mostly multiplayer. Yeah, I played all the way through 1 and 2 and then... Like some of Brotherhood and Revelations, I kind of wanted to play three because I, I didn't play three at all. The American actually. Revolution stuff was interesting. Yeah. But I, I just got, I was so burned out from those first two. It's the it first lasted. The burnout lasted years for me. It takes me too long but, to get into those games. No, me, I agree. But but anyway, so the reason I bring it up is because it felt like they went super. They it felt like those games had a high point of earnestness of that totally ridiculous lore where it, they were playing it one hundred percent straight, and it was like, no, this insane alien bullshit is super legit and it's like this crazy conspiracy and like it really you matters. You care about revealing yeah. the truth of this alien that's, pope. That's how those feel to me and I thought it was just super absurd. Um, but it's – the stuff I've heard about Assassin's Creed 4 sounds like 
they've just gone so far that it's just like, what if he was like playing the video game of the video game in our video game? Like that's what it. That's what it's. I mean, why did it? What? Why did you turn it into like Albert Finney talking about it? I don't know. It just seems like the whole thing just sounds like that was, someone that was, that was that was in a boardroom. Mm, yeah, it classic. just see it that's feels Chris's classic okay, I, haven't, voice. I, I haven't played it, so obviously I can't speak to it in detail. But it the way it was described to me makes it sound like it must have been tongue in cheek to some degree, right? Like you couldn't put your own game inside your game without having it be a little bit. We'll have a copy of it in like two days, yeah. and we'll play it. Yeah, yeah. And that's the reason I'm, I'm kind of excited. That's one of the reasons I kind of want to see what it is because it just seems like it must be over the top in some weird way. Well, you do play as a pirate assassin who crawls all over the place and stabs well, right. people and those games are all, Well, that's what's yeah. – those games are already like totally you know, absurd in, in the things they depict literally. But then they match it with this like super self-serious absurd story. Maybe the guy you're playing, the QA guy, is also a narrator over the top of it. But he's telling his QA buddy how bullshit the game is. <laughs> so then I like stole a ship. I don't know. Like, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. Oh, shit. So much better last week. His build sucks. One star. Yeah. I mean, it's... I don't know. We, this is a lot to talk about a game that none of us have Assassin's played. Creed 4. Yeah. Really, like, this really is, this is the classic Idle Thumb situation where there's like... Say, we've really like, beaten the, a thousand beaten people listening. To death. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't think we're actually making any yeah. connections with this ghost horse. From like a fourth person... From another perspective. From a fourth person's perspective. We're, we're just, just sitting there kicking the gra- nothing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then also getting really excited about a thing that is not yeah. there also. But then there's and then also, also people... restraining each other. You're like, blah, blah, he's had enough. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> but there's also got to be people listening to this who are just screaming at like, their fucking iPods. Like, I've played 10 hours like, of You this. fucking idiots don't know anything while you're talking about Like, I mean, they'll unsubscribe to podcast. That's fine. They've stopped listening and you have erased us. Yeah. So it's fine. It's fine. Fine. You want to take a break? Yeah, let's take a break. It's fine. Video games. And thanks to our sponsor for this week, Audible. You can go to audiblepodcast.com slash wizard for a free audiobook download with your one-month trial of the service. And you can keep the book forever, which is still amazing. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. And uh, this week's recommend comes from kind of Chris and my wife. Which I would say is, uh, well, what were you guys doing together reading books? Wouldn't you like to know? Oh, we were reading books. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah. good, good. Which is um, The Thousand Autumns of Jacob Dezoe by David Mitchell, narrated by Jonathan Aris and Paula Wilcox. Mm-hmm. David Mitchell is the guy who wrote Cloud Atlas. Yes. Correct. I if you only saw the novel. movie Cloud Atlas, mm. probably has no bearing on anything. <laughs> unrelated, <laughs> unrelated to this recommendation. To this recommendation. Yeah, but you really loved this novel. I I absolutely adored it. Um, Amelia is going bonkers over this novel. Yeah, loved it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely loved it in a way like she's read been reading a lot of like I would books that I've been wanting to read. I'm like oh yeah, it's good. Oh yeah, it's good. And this is the one that she said it was really, really, really fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it is. This was the novel. Um, I believe it's the the next novel Mitchell wrote after Cloud Atlas. I remember reading it right when it came out um, because I read Cloud Atlas, I guess, soon enough that I was I was thinking, oh, wow, I like this author, clearly. Um, and then I saw this new book was coming out and I got really excited. Um, it is about a Dutch um, uh, sailor, I suppose, who ends up in a Dutch port in Japan during a period in history when Japan was almost entirely closed off 
to uh, foreign trade. Um, but there was – they did have limited contact with the Dutch. And so it takes place in kind of an enclave um, in in this very kind of insular country. Um, and it's, re- it's a really beautiful depiction. This character uh, – one of the things I like about it is is how – Ernest, this character is the protagonist. The protagonist, yeah, Jacob mm-hmm. Dezut, uh, however you say it. Mm-hmm. I don't even know. Uh, you know how to find out, right? Merrick Bronstring. I would probably listen to the audiobook for the correct pronunciation. <laughs> That's what I would do. Good idea. Hey, man, just helping you out. Yeah. You know how you can listen to the audiobook? Um, I would probably start by going to uh, audiblepodcast.com slash wizard. That's a brilliant first step. Yeah. What is the title of this book again? Sorry. The Thousand Autumns of Jacob de Zoe. Hmm. Zoet. Zoet. You'd also Unclear. know that. <laughs> Unclear. But um, not to cut you off about oh, no. describing with the book. Yeah. When does he – so what? how far into the book does he realize he's in an animus? <laughs> it being historical and all. Right, There's no way course. he could actually be experiencing this now while no. I'm reading the book in yeah. 2013. Mitchell keeps that that part of it pretty subtle. The fact he plays that, that pretty close to the vest. An extensive virtual reality device. He, yeah, he Given the existence that, of Cloud Atlas, that would not be that shocking. <laughs> <laughs> that book yeah, secretly existed inside yeah. the lens of another thing. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but not uh, for this ad read to go on too long. But going from because I was curious as what Cuckoo's Calling, which was the read from a couple weeks ago, a few weeks ago, would sound like going from my head to an audible book. How is the audiobook, Jake? It's actually different than I would have expected after having read a little bit of it. Like it's read, it's read in a surprisingly methodical way, but that actually makes sense for that book because right. what you didn't sell me on last time when you were talking about it is that this book is just an intense procedural. Like it's yeah. just scene after scene after scene of a guy talking to another person and then writing down what they say. Yeah, there's a lot of interviews. Yeah. I really like it because it has that, a Rashomon like quality. It's, a, in it's that an sense. interesting book to hear in audiobook yeah. form because it's just a person talking about this detective effectively just going from room to room and then just methodically going through yeah. the scene and going, huh. But I've been really enjoying no, it. No, you'll like it. Yeah, it's yeah. good. Well, this is the detective novel by J.K. By J.K. Rowling. 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 Yeah, called yeah. The Cuckoo's Calling, which mm-hmm. Sean talked about it last week. But anyway, I, yeah. I've been listening to it on Audible, and I've been enjoying it a lot. Cool. So yeah, you can listen to audiblepodcast.com slash wizard for your free download and trial of the service. Keep the book, no matter what. Video games. Video games. Talk about I hate Black you. Friday. <laughs> Squirt deals. Go target. Go there. Microwaves for seven dollars. Guys punching each other. Running over babies. Despicable. We gotta get the deals. What? What? I'm just fucking taking your gag all the way to the end. That's true. It's your goof, not my goof. It's my goof. <laughs> That's my goof. That's my, That's my goof. goof. Hey, and now we're back where we belong in, in that joke. What? I don't know. It's all going. Oh, it's like you say. That's my goof. Like it's the That's my goof is either an '80s TV show that's fictional, or a. It depends on how you say it. It's like it could be a game show. Exactly. I was going to say. Oh, is that came from That's My Goof? I think it could be an '80s TV that's fictional, or it could be a game show. 
tonight on FX. Like, no, no, it could be that's my right. Goof. But that's still, it could be an eighties. I don't goof. think that's as good as like that's my Corey goof. Feldman stars and that's right. My goof. And that's my goof. Yeah, is he like a Corey. Dennis the Menace? Like, yeah, he's like a kid. No, no, no. He's a kid who grows up in New York on the Lower East Side uh-huh. who like whose uncle is like a really like down and out comedian and he thinks that one day he's going to be a really successful comedian so it's called that's my goof uh, yeah so he's like a kid who's like trying out new material sure fuck <laughs> wrong life wrong time he's selling tv shows god damn Think it you could be just living off that syndication cash right 102 now. episodes of that's my goof boom <laughs> hello usa network Hello, sick kids staying home from fourth grade, having to watch seven That's My Goofs in a row. <laughs> yeah. You got you to gotta catch that wave just so that it's the kid who does not have Netflix or TV. Right. It's like I had to watch Wings. I watched so much Wings growing up. Oh, oh. I never watched Wings. Exactly. You just weren't sick living in my town at that time with our cable package, which was bad. <laughs> It's featured the Wings channel. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you mean USA? I think I'm a, I think a fourth grade me might have called it the Wings channel. <laughs> I knew USA just as it, the Cartoon Express and like Up All Night and Silk Stockings commercials. No. I was like, what is this show? There was basically some executive at USA who in 1997 decided to flip a giant fucking lever and take USA from Wings to te- Walker, Texas Ranger. <laughs> He's like, nope, no more wings. Our wings tapes are worn out. Our Betamax wings collection. Maybe Betacam. No. Not Betamax. Oh, well, it's going to be a bad podcast. No, it's going to be fine. Chris, I like that haircut, by the way. Thanks. It's clean. It's professional. It's like restrained. You're all grown up, Chris. I like it. Yeah. I was like, what would Sean think is clean, restrained, and professional? And I, you know, he said, said it out loud to the barber. Yeah, and he was yeah, like, yeah. "Oh no, I got gotcha. just the thing." <laughs> well, I got this haircut literally downstairs in this building. Oh, really? And so I was just like, "There's this guy who kind of walks through here about once a week or so." Always looks angry wearing a hoodie. Where's probably wearing a baseball cap? Hoodie up, yeah. Hoodie. He's got a hoodie and a baseball cap. If you can imagine what his hair would look like, give that to me. <laughs> uh, that's not where she's like, "Oh, the oh. executive contour." Please. No, I was thinking. I was thinking like. That guy's demeanor. Oh. What would that guy respect on a head? <laughs> we all know the answer. Yeah. Looks good. He well, delivered. Like, yeah, he knew what he I was He fucking delivered. He, he, he somehow knew what I was, exactly what I was getting at. I don't, He's like, oh, famous. He actually, yeah. Like the, the tip oh, of, yeah, famous. Famous <laughs> Vanaman. The tip of a comb touched your lips. He said, shh, say no more. But then you went, and then he spun you around because there was wax paper on the comb. And then he said, that's my goof. Video were you guys, either of you, at the experimental gameplay sessions at GDC this past year? Not no. this year. Okay. There was a game that was on display there called Mushroom 11 that looked really cool. And it's essentially a platformer where you control a big amorphous blob. And you can, using your cursor on the desktop version or your finger on the mobile version, um, like press down on a section of this blob and it causes that part of it to like disintegrate mm-hmm. and then those parts regenerate themselves like elsewhere. So this is that's the only interaction you have in the entire game and that's how you move around. Like the way way you way you move to the left for example is by like disintegrating parts of it on the right which then regenerate towards the left and therefore now 
on average, the whole thing is moved to the left. Does that make sense mm-hmm. at all? Um, it's, it's interesting. And, um, uh, but you can start doing crazier shit, like splitting it into two and like forcing it into directions before it can regenerate itself. And like, it's, you solve like, you know, increasingly complex, like physics puzzles and stuff by doing this. And I remember looking at it on the screen and being like, wow, this looks really awesome. Uh, I want to play this. And then it was in the IGF. So I did get to play it and I really, really liked it. I played, um, it had like four worlds essentially in the version I played two through four worlds, two through four were listed as being in beta. So I guess they're still being tested or whatever, but, um, uh, it was really, really cool. And I, it's a game that I would highly recommend, you know, whenever it's out and playable in the form that is, can be bought by someone. Um, and one of the things that was really nice about it is that it felt unusual in the context of the modern IGF in that it was really just about exploring this one specific design idea to like a high degree of, um, uh, thoroughness. Like it was, you know, a lot of IGF games are so ambitious and expansive, which is awesome. Um, but it, this, this felt almost more like kind of the world of goo style. Mm-hmm. Games. Like it was, this game is definitely smaller than world of goo for sure. But it's that kind of thing of like, you know, here's one mechanic and we're just going to make it really fun and come up with a bunch of cool places to put it. Uh, and I liked it. I, I played all the way through it and it was really uh, charming and like really well executed. And it, it has this kind of weird, like grimy industrial visual thing, which in a lot of games I feel like wouldn't be particularly interesting. But in this game, considering you're basically moving a ball of goo around, it seemed fine. Mm-hmm. Like it was well executed visually and the music suited it well. Like just everything felt of a piece, you know, like it just, it, you wouldn't necessarily be like, you can't, you're not going to believe the graphics in this game, but just, it all come came together in a way that I thought was like effective and cool. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it was fun. It was super fun. Mushroom 11. Mushroom 11. Do you know the developer? Um, I do not remember the developer. I do know that Mushroom 11, I think is one of the games that Indie Fund is funding. Oh, good. Cool. And good I think them. it also was either in the PAX 10 or was that one of the indie mega booths because I've seen it. Uh-huh. It, it. So it's been publicly shown before yeah, yeah, yeah. a couple times. Cool. Good, good, good. But yeah. it's Yeah. So it's definitely coming out. I mean, I, it must be because it was clearly like the presentation was all drastically uh, scaled up from GDC. The GDC one was essentially a prototype, mm-hmm. whereas the version I played was obviously a much it's on more on the road to game. shipping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like cool. the, they did all new graphics and stuff. But it, it was oh. cool. I know. Brand it had new all graphics. new graphics. Three new levels. Yeah. You got to just keep three new levels, five new whatever, Mushroom 11. <laughs> what, until you get up to 11? Yeah. <laughs> horrible. Horrible, Jake. Um, or it's like 10 new Mushroom, 11 download. So you just have the little da- the name of it briefly mentioned. So then someone puts it in the supercut of movies saying they're on titles. <laughs> The guy said, Mushroom <laughs> eleven, like it would be a yeah, like Robocop two. two. Yeah. Uh, anyway, reader mail. Oh yeah, reader mail. Oh man, also a thing that happened this week. Sorry, <laughs> Nick and I finally got internet that is not terrible. Um, which <laughs> hey everyone at home, guess what? Someone has good internet now. Hey, fuck you. <laughs> so every night since that happened, I've been streaming my Splunky Daily challenge at twitch.tv slash idle thumbs. So if you want to watch me play Splunky, aka the game that I play now. Um, AKA the video game. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. is your Irene Adler to yeah. your Sherlock Holmes. Right, exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, you can, you can watch that at idle thumbs. I mean, twitch.tv slash idle thumbs. Um, which you can once again get to from our homepage. At idlethumbs.net, <laughs> probably. You can. Um, 
Reader Mail. What is Reader Mail? I don't know, but Chris can download it super fast now. Well, it's the same from this office. I have the slowest internet now out of all of us. Well, this arms race <laughs> must continue. I get T1. I was actually going to point out that it's, it's, uh, it's mail from you, the readers. Oh. 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 If you have some reader mail, write us at, at questions at idlethumbs.net. Uh, for, uh, such as save scumming by Anim. Dear Thumbs, you seem to have your definition of save scumming backwards. The exploit isn't that when you load up a save, you know you're going to get the same results. It's the exact opposite. It's when you load up a save and a shot that previously missed suddenly hits. By saving the random seed by default for access games, mm. usually avoid that min-maxi save scumming rather than being especially susceptible to it, which is really cool. The option to disable that, which was added in the third path for XCOM Enemy Unknown, is actually a concession to save scummers who are used to being able to save, shoot, and reload on miss over and over until a shot finally hits in other games. Just wanted to point that out. Keep up the good work. Best regards, Anim. Which is a really good point. Yeah. In retrospect, yeah, I totally fucked that up. Um, yeah. God, XCOM. I uh, haven't played in a bit because I was out of town for Thanksgiving until uh, until two days ago. But um, uh, I really liked it. I forget if I mentioned this last time we recorded or not. I can't remember. But I started a new game of XCOM Enemy Unknown because I didn't get to the new stuff fast enough. You mean of I, Enemy Within? I'm sorry, Enemy Within. Um, and I wanted to kind of adjust my strategy from the beginning to have more, like, soldiers in cyborg suits and all that shit. Naturally. And I, I, I just enabled every single, like, weird gameplay modifier that was available just because I wanted the most different possible experience. Um, and it's cool. Like, it, one of the, th- actually, I think we got an email about this exact thing. Um, if we didn't already read it. So let me, I just remembered that. Let me see if I can, if I can find it. Um, sorry, I didn't really plan this very well, did I? Maybe we already read it. I can't even... I can't remember. Let me read another one for now. <laughs> Sorry. Um, what basically were you going to say, if you can encapsulate it quickly? Um, someone recommended one of the um, one of the uh, new game options in XCOM. Anyway, I, well, I can't remember if this was actually part of XCOM Any Within or if it was one of the previous DLCs that happened in between when I left by the game. But anyway, there's an option you can do that causes soldiers skill options to be randomly generated rather so usually what happens in the new XCOM is when your soldiers level up you get the option of two skills but it's always the two skills they'll get at that specific rank depending on what class they have so like a a a heavy weapons soldier of or a support class for example of major rank will always have the same two skill options but with this um with this flag they're all pool. They're, the random skills you choose are all just taken from a big pool of skills. So it just means your soldiers end up with much more varying skills at their at different levels. It makes your squad kind of more diverse. Um, That's cool. Yeah. Um. Anyway, uh, Nalty at Gmail. Oh, I'm, I shouldn't. I shouldn't read this email address. That's what it's from. Um, this person writes. You think Valve's hats were bad? Arguably, selling ships in Star Citizen for a profit on the gray market was worse. That's right. A crowdfunding gray market selling limited editions and lifetime insured ships at a profit. Now, obviously, this isn't going to make it in the next Idle Thumbs. I think you guys said you record five days before the podcast goes up. But as of right now, December 3rd, 2013 at 5.20 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Gotcha. Star Star Citizen is sitting at $33,685,286. You can blame this rapid spike to the ending of lifetime insurance coming on ships for original and veteran backers, as on November 26th, as well, 
as of November 26th, as well as daily specials of limited release ships, ships, at least some of which I anticipate will wind up on the gray market. So theoretical ships for a game that isn't even out yet were being sold on the gray market as a markup. And you can say whatever you like about buying ships not actually being buying ships, but rather making an assessment on how much money we're willing to donate towards Star Citizen's development and then picking a complimentary spaceship as a thank you. I myself have used that, I myself have used that excuse myself. But the $1,000 worth of imaginary spacecraft I have to my name begged to differ. Oh my God. <laughs> I bought imaginary spaceships because the concept art and videos were shiny. Beware the power of the ooh shiny at your peril. So people sell these hypothetical ships on the market, demanding a premium over the original sale price, either because they're limited stock or they have lifetime insurance, the latter of which is a luxury that backers after a given date were not allowed access to on the bulk of the mundane ship packages. It's true there are some kind-hearted souls out there who are also laundering ships for LTI to new backers, either at veteran slash original backer cost or taking a minimal cut equal to the difference between the original backer cost and the new backer cost. But it was just as low bali and overpriced as anything that Valve has ever had to deal with vis-a-vis hats. It's a certain kind of horrible, too, because the end goal for Cloud Imperium Games is not to garner a profit from the sales of ships, but to fund Star Citizen and Squadron 42. Anyway, I thought I'd throw that out there. I apologize for the rambling train of thought as I drink my second cup of coffee, um, but I thought it was interesting to bring it up since it all ties into secondary markets and hats. People will gamify anything these days. That is... Wow. Just... You missed the TF2 hat mafia stuff. I know. I'm going to catch up on that. But (laughs) the thing that I find really interesting about the Star Citizen thing, because it's so much fucking money now, is that in how sophisticated the tiers are and the rewards and how they lock out and how they have timing and how they, like, theoretically impact the game. Well, it's it's, got this weird speculative aspect to it. Right. Well, if you take away the speculative aspect, right? Mm -hmm. And, I mean, I think for the purposes of this mental exercise, you can... You're really just seeing what free-to-play looks like on the spreadsheets of people oh, right, who have free-to-play games. There's yeah. no game. There's just the weird meta stuff right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, the game yeah, doesn't yeah, exist. You're yeah. only seeing the, like, right. buy this stuff. Oh, this is limited. Oh, this is going to be gone. This is going to be here for a minute. Yeah. And weird. A these CFO. Are the, these are the ones that are successful. Yeah, these like, are the ones that aren't. The like, CFO at the free-to-play company down the street gets to see the $33.6 million, you know, total at the end and be like... That's right. But we, because it's being crowdfunded, also now get to see that, which is yeah, so fucking so crazy yeah. to me. Yeah. Like We're just seeing the power of that because $33 million is so – it's 10 times anything that's been done on Kickstarter, right? What was what was this, Broken Age? Um, 3.3 and then – Yeah, but yeah, there's, there, there are things that have hit like 10 but not, not games. games. Not video games. Yeah. There, there, have, been one or, there the have been one or – no, there's one or two higher video game Kickstarters, but, but I mean neither of them is – anywhere remotely i mean you know yeah, like, i mean this is not i mean is it's still seven to ten times yeah this is so sophisticated yeah lifetime insurance on a thing that doesn't exist yeah wow yeah. this is like this is like well an, the, the asimov way you can, meets the right. emperor's well, new well, clothes the, so this <laughs> is the thing you can imagine blizzard doing so there's stuff like this that has always existed in things like world of warcraft where Oh man, I got or I got this um, pet that you could only have gotten during BlizzCon, and like right, right, right. now I'm going to sell it for like five thousand dollars on eBay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Blizzard could have just been selling all that shit themselves if they wanted to. Um, in fact, I think they started doing that at one point in World of Warcraft, and I just haven't kept up with that at all right. in years. Um, but I remember I mean, they started the, the, selling. I mean, like, we don't have stuff, stuff because I do want to listen to that. But. Yeah. but I just mean it's the same principle that is at work there. It's just that these, you know, that's in this case they're actually accepting money for this stuff like up front 
can I tell you something that's like I'm thinking now from a development standpoint, and I just had this like one yeah. like thought. Mm-hmm. So you have to plan out your development of your game. Like you have to know what you're going to build so you can build it and schedule against it and scope against it and like come in on budget. But there's nothing more boring than over planning and over promising every little detail of your game than having to just go execute it. You know, like this stuff you discover along the way that you, some you cast aside and some stuff you didn't know was going to be there and then you make. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Is the joy of the job to me. So making all these financial promises on features that have to be in the game and then just being like, oh, we have to implement that now. And not having the freedom to be like, well, is it that good? Does it add value? Is right. it making the no, experience no, I, better? I totally agree. That's this one of the, sounds so depressing. To that's me. one of the reasons I'm not crazy about um, a lot of like Kickstarter stretch goals, right. where they start being yeah. like, "I'm gonna, we're gonna add in right. th- three extra weapons and like th- this and that." And it's like, well, what if the game isn't better with that? In right. It? Well, I mean, I think we can like, all agree to that. Know? I hadn't thought about it from the other side. I'd always been thinking about it from the customer side, which is like, so you're just gonna add a bunch of features that we don't know if make the game better or not. Awesome. That sucks. Great. Yeah, but, but well, then I started that's thinking not about, what people say, though. No, no, no. I'm thinking in this room. We as yeah, in, like, sure. okay. you and I having this conversation. Like, I think we've had this conversation before. Like, we don't know if that's going to make the game better. Why would you promise to put yeah. that in? It also takes I'm actually all thinking, improvisation out of Yeah, I'm just thinking of actually from being a designer. That's what I was talking about. Oh, I thought you were thinking about it from the audience perspective. I'd no, always I been saying, thinking about that stuff from the audience perspective. I'd never been thinking about it, about having to go to work in the morning yeah. and implement a feature that I didn't believe in, but I'd already promised. Yeah. <gasps> No, totally. That's the that's yeah. That's ultimately like, I mean, not even just from the not even just from the standpoint of like, am I gonna am I gonna enjoy that or not? But just from the standpoint of like, is it actually gonna make the game better? Like that's frustrating. It's just whenever I think about it, I always think of it from the perspective of it being six months down the line, and then you're like right in the middle of the development of the game, and you're like, oh god, we yeah. said we would do this thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Doesn't make any it's sense right be now. Insane. To look at the Star Citizen production calendar where they've got $33 million and it's like, okay, month 17 is when we bring deck-to-deck navigation and construction online. Month 18 is when we bring, like, they just... It's so funny because only games seem to be really, like, video games seem to be subject to that. Well, it's because they're things you use. Right, but like, so talking to Rob Davio, who's who's a designer of yeah, Risk Legacy, Legacy, he's yeah. making a new game uh-huh. called Seafall, mm-hmm. and uh, whether he like actually brings it to Kickstarter or anything like that, we were just talking about board game Kickstarters, and he's like, yeah, if I ever design a board game that went to Kickstarter, like, we why would I ever have a design? Like, we just talk- he was so natural, like, oh no, you would never have a design goal, a design feature tied to stretch goals. Like, yeah. Why would you ever do that? Yeah. You know, and that was just like. He never thought about that as a as an idea that he, and you could do it just as readily in a board game mm-hmm. as you could. Totally. He's like, no, no, you just make everything a little nicer, and you know, yeah, you and that's what board game Kickstarters have done. And like, yeah. you know, I mean, that was like, it was funny because talking to him about it, I kept trying to say like, oh my god, so you features attached to stretch goals are the worst, and he like looked at me like I was, was an like, idiot for a second. Yeah, yeah, he was right. like, what are you talking about? Well, I think the reason yeah. is that is that video games have like capital C content, and board games don't. Right, like board games right. have like content in the sense that they have like some theme and like some physical pieces and stuff, but that stuff is largely to facilitate the systems, and like that's true of some games as well. But a lot of video or video games that's true of a lot of video games, but also a lot of video games exist because the content is awesome, or at least a, ba- a, a significant 
percentage of them right. exists because the content is awesome. It's like I want to play this shooter and I like playing it, so I want there to be more levels so I can right. play more of it. Or like, but I, it seems like these stretch goals are like indiscriminately between content and system. I don't think that's true. I so think often I think they're, they're overwhelmingly like, oh, there's going to the be like a side. there's going to be a whatever a weapon damage system that does blah, really. Blah, I yeah. think they're much more often on the content side. I think it's usually more of something stuff like that or like. Yeah, I, but I mean, isn't lifetime insurance on a ship that can be destroyed a systemic feature? But that's something that I think they were going to have no matter what. It's just a matter of whether you get it or not as a player. Yeah. It's just so funny. How many like people, I think, yeah. I think in the case of a game like this, it's probably less of a, it's probably less of a, a you know, less damaging in the ways we were talking about than it would be on a lot of games because they're basically just signing up from the beginning to make a game that's absolutely enormous. And they're just like, well, we're just going to have a bunch of different ships in it. Yeah. <laughs> These are what they're all going to be. Um, and they can kind of just do that forever, theoretically. I mean, it's obviously more time, more money, and like more effort on the design side to make it all work. But they're, I would... So I backed this game, but I haven't really kept up super in super detail with all of the stuff they're promising or whatever. But I would imagine they're not parceling out like major game systems. I think they're just saying, well, we're going to have to have build like another ship that looks like this one in this time. Yeah. And it'll be bigger than the other one and it'll have these things on it instead of that. And like it's not you know, a board game is as far from that as you get. A board game is like every single system and piece of content in the game has to be like meticulously balanced against yeah. all the other ones. This is like it's an entire universe of shit flying around. <laughs> like, you know, it's yeah. like <laughs> sure. There's no in- entire quadrant of a board game. We, you you can buy this ship cuz we just you can. We'll make yeah. that one too. You know, it's weird. It's weird. It's like just kind of stuff goes in it. I mean, I, I don't mean <laughs> it sounds like I could be saying this in a dismissive way. I don't mean it that way. I just mean any one piece of content in Star Citizen is a lot less important to the whole. Right. Just unto itself compared to like one board game piece in yeah. like a Rob Davio game, which is like, you know, has got to be super carefully integrated with everything right. else. I'm not saying that. By the way, I'm not saying any of this to say, like, I'm in favor of just, like, parceling out your whole game on Kickstarter or whatever. Yeah. But, you know, um, they are different. Uh, they're made in different ways to some degree. Yeah. But games – you're right that games – the video games are more susceptible to that. And I think a lot of it yeah. is because, like, it's a thing that you as an individual want to feel you have ownership over. Either in the in a in a game like Star Citizen because you have, like – you control like one guy in this big universe and your stuff is yours and it's, you name the character and you own it theoretically and blah, 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 blah. But even in the case of a single player game, you're owning the experience in a specific way and that you are embodying right. the character and like you're part of it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, yeah, it's weird. Total side note. Rob showed some of his like design problems and like ideas behind his new game. Mm-hmm. Seafall. Mm-hmm. That game's gonna be fucking cool. Nice. I'm really excited. It's a I like legacy, that guy it's a legacy a game, yeah. the same as Risk Legacy. Yeah. Um, but he showed that at NYU practice, and uh, I'm stoked whenever that's available. Nice. Yeah. Game's gonna be really cool. Also, his attention to detail and just sort of the packaging and design is already apparent in the photographs oh, of that's the prototype. Awesome. Yeah. That's oh, cool. So good. Yeah. That was yeah. a super super strong point in Risk Legacy. Yeah. Did you talk about that on the podcast? His Risk Legacy talk? Only a little and bit. And when you practice, it's so good. His talk was far and away the best. I was going to keep going when you were searching for Green Man, but I won't. Oh, sorry. 
just gonna. Keep was actually engrossed good. in Star Citizen stretch goals. <laughs> I was just gonna talk about how good Rob Davio is. Oh, he's super good. Yeah, yeah, that guy's awesome. I am really excited about him making a thing. Well, he's, he pointed of the out that Risk Legacy is a game that balances itself because the players are expected to use the permanent scars and right, 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 right. to, to compensate for to balance like, it. Yeah. So, like, yeah, he sort of said, "I know that the game's balanced through the first like." three or four games yeah, but the board is the built for you to play 15 right and at a certain point i just it's just a fucked game from a balance standpoint and i had to make peace with that but i also right. had to know that people are <laughs> going to deliberately try and balance and counterbalance yeah. the game yeah well i came into that game like three games into someone else's campaign and was out in like five minutes it was like it was just you know like it was right uh, it was I'm sure it was my fault to, to a degree but like also just the way the world had created itself up until that point was just like well <laughs> Yeah. This is real bad. I'm in a real bad situation, like immediately. Yeah. Uh, it was it was kind of funny. I mean I wanted I would I'd really like to play a full campaign of that, you know. You played the first one though on my board, right? I played the I played yeah, the first game on yours okay. and then I played like the third or fourth. So that board is that's it. We can do more. Oh, we should, yeah, yeah, we yeah. should do more. That was fun. Yeah. Do we have more? We we do have more. Um Brian Hicks writes my wife and Nick Brecken. Oh my God! Hey guys, oh, while I play video I'm games, just, gonna, just just gonna go away. <laughs> while I play video games, my wife does not. My wife does not. We often listen to Idle Thumbs in the car. The witty banter keeps her entertained despite her lack of game knowledge. In an effort to give her more context about Idle Thumbs, I showed her the Kickstarter video the other evening. She immediately yelled at me for adding concrete images to the voices of the hosts. She wasn't repelled or anything. But she simply did not expect hmm. to see you guys beyond the character caricatures she had created in her mind. Of course, absent from the Kickstarter video was Nick Brecken. As I was about to m- mischievously shatter another one of her mental pictures, she venomously uttered, Don't say anything about Nick Brecken. She refuses to view a picture of him in order to maintain his status as a disembodied voice. My question, have you guys ever experienced this phenomenon either with literary characters cast into film or seeing a picture of radio hosts that differed from your mental images? Thanks and keep up the good work. Brian and Anna. P.S. She wasn't really repulsed or anything. She said you were nice-looking guys. I'm glad I had to say that she was repulsed twice. Could have not been in the postscript, you son of a bitch. (laughs) No, it wasn't in the postscript. He said she wasn't repulsed. P.S. She she wasn't. She she really wasn't. (laughs) What a guy. It's fine. Don't say the, anything about Nick Brecken. The answer to this, for me, and I think for a lot of a lot of folks, mm-hmm. is the sweet, sweet voice of Terry Gross. Oh yeah, oh yeah, you've mentioned this before. Yeah, yeah. We're like, you see Terry Gross, and you're like, that's not, that's not Terry Gross. <laughs> Just like this, like you know small you bookish know yeah. woman. With, like, very unassuming... Because when you hear her voice, she just, like, fills up your yeah, car yeah, with, yeah, like... Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Can't even think about it. You know the weirdly... This is so strange to say now, but I had that experience when I first saw a picture of um, of Ira Glass from This American Life. And what's so funny now oh, is that really? I can't imagine... What Ira Glass looks exactly I like know, that guy. I remember <laughs> what I saw. Like, but it's just a testament to, like, how weird brains are. That I... You know, the first time I saw a picture of him, I was like, What? No, that's got to be a different... What, you just look gotta... like some, like, Gen X radio guy? Yeah. Oh, who would have thought? <laughs> I know, it's weird. <laughs> weird. But that's actually the reason that I, I I don't like seeing movies before I've read the book, if yeah. they're based on a book. Like, I remember, um, Jake, when... I think it was you were the one who first linked me the trailer to Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, and I'm like, oh, man, this looks awesome. And then I just immediately went and read the whole book before the movie came out, because I just didn't... I didn't want to have that experience of, like, 
having all my mental images set in stone yep. before I've even had a chance to develop yeah. them. Yeah, I that's a thing I really don't like. Um, I mean, it's fine to you know, it's fine. Like, I'm also okay with happen, it if I just make peace with not reading the book. That happens to me a lot. Sure, I've had that like, experience. Oh, I'm just never read the book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I've had that experience as well. Of course, it's more just going when I know I can never go in the other direction and I want mm-hmm. to. That's the that's the part that bothers me. Yeah, but yeah, there are definitely plenty of movies. I mean, obviously, I've seen plenty of movies based on books I haven't read. Yeah. It's fine. Do we have more mail? Uh, I'm sure we do. Yeah. Did you have one that you wanted to read? Or do you know? No, no, no. Okay. I do not. Uh, Cliff Boyd writes, TI-86 Mario and the Doom Virus. Oh, my gosh. Thumbs. Oh, we were talking TI-86 yeah, Mario I, I, last week. I heard it. <laughs> Thumbs, I've spent the last year and a half consuming retro video games like I have a drug addiction. I've been drinking nostalgia with YouTube channels, articles, and podcasts while I bask in childhood reminiscence, historical appreciation, and pixelated infatuation. I've been playing through the past... Uh, using authentic hardware, not emulation mostly, through which I relive memories and have amazing new experiences. About 15 minutes into your sports episode, I can actually feel the nostalgic juices flooding my spine, perhaps more intensely than ever due to the last five minutes of conversation. I've never written before to any of the many podcasts I listened to, but I felt an urge to tell you about my own history with TI-86 Mario. I took Algebra 1 and 2 in junior high. I'm 28 now, so that was around 1996 to 98. My circle of five or six friends traded games on our link cables. By far the greatest and most expansive of these was Mario. We used to create the most insane levels to share them with one another. The rule was you had to beat your own level before you passed it around. I made several, and honestly, I think I was the best at it, probably because I was the most into it. My Cliff's World levels required pixel perfection at times, (laughs) while at others, they messed with your perception to create intentionally cheap deaths. They weren't skill-based, really. You just had had to figure out what to do and keep trying until you did it. For example, eight of the blocks you could place in the level editor, which was grid-based, would form a background box like those that appear in the early levels of Mario 3, the ones that are different colors and look like they're screwed onto the back of the level set. There was a placeable grid piece for each corner and one for each of the side, top, and bottom. You could stand on the top two corners and the top piece for the middle, just like in Mario 3. I had one level that was set in the sky where I used just the top middle of the box, just a line of pixels that you could stand on, to create a platform through the clouds. Clouds were just for decoration, but they did take up a grid space. I had the character... I had the player run across a line in the sky with clouds all around for some time, but eventually I put a cloud where it appeared to be right under the platform, when in reality, uh, it replaced the platform they were running on, sending them plummeting to their doom. It didn't take too many tries before they figured out why they kept falling, but it was a lot of fun to watch them struggle with it. Man, quick aside here. I totally forgot about that part of TI-86 Mario level creation, but it's totally true, because it was all like one-by-one tile-based. You could grab pieces that were super special cased in the original Mario. Like in the original Mario... You would only ever include certain blocks in the context of other blocks. Right. So they made contextual sense. But in the level editor, you could put any of them anywhere you wanted to. So you could totally abuse shit like this is a platform you can jump up through but will not fall down through unless you press down and hold jump. You know. Right. But you could like put that in a place that made no sense. Right. And the player just had to like explore fucking it. explore it. Have yeah. you seen the Super Mario World hacked level stuff that people have made and put on yeah, YouTube? Yeah, like yeah, the yeah. one where I've, Mario's I've some of that stuff. velocity actually just propels him through a level that is effectively a complete musical composition. Yeah, like composition. a Rube Goldberg machine and shit. Yeah, yeah, it's effectively. Weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that stuff is super cool. Um, anyways, continuing this guy's email. Speaking of Doom, I also used TI86 Mario as a tool to create a virus to share with my friends. Obviously, I was a good friend. There were three files you had to have in your calculator to play the game. One you'd select to play the game, one you'd select to access the level editor, and a third that I guess did some stuff behind the scenes to allow the game to play, maybe store the levels. When I first 
received the TI-86 Mario game via link cable, my friend forgot to give me the third file. When I tried to play the game, I got a screen full of messed up pixels instead of the game. I couldn't do anything, including turn off the calculator. I was eventually forced to remove then reinsert the batteries. When I turned the calculator back on, I was welcomed with the dreaded memcleared defaults set page. Everything I had was gone. It wasn't a big deal as I didn't have much I cared about losing yet. I used to create programs with a calculator code to solve my math homework problems. I did it for fun, not because it was efficient or helpful since we had to show our work anyway. Eventually I discovered it was possible to delete programs and files with a line of code. So I created a program called Doom. I told my friends it was an awesome calculator port of the PC game. When you opened the program, you got a title screen that said something like something generic like press enter to start. You'd then get a loading screen that would work its way up from 0 to 100, displaying a loading percentage. At 98, I would cause the program to exit, and just before it exited, I would delete the third necessary file required for TI-86 Mario. I would say, huh, I wonder why it's not working. Usually that they would then just delete the Doom program and life would continue on until the next time they tried to play Mario and everything on their calculator was erased. Wow, that's brutal. That's a monster. Yeah. By reading this email, you have now accepted my (laughs) Doom virus. (laughs) Don't Don't try to play Mario. I don't think I ever told my friends what happened to them, and I don't think they ever figured it out. He's your friends? Yeah. Well, he's yeah. Wow. But it was a ton of fun to see my evil plot come to fruition, one friend after another. It's terrible, I know. I'm really not that kind of person. I wasn't, I wasn't even then. Maybe a little bit then. I worked with engineers and programmers at my last job, and one day we got into conversation about why people create viruses. Obviously, there are malicious virus creators that seek to steal information or install adware, but some viruses serve only to destroy. I shared my story with the coworkers. I can't put it into words that are sensible, perhaps, but I think I know why people make viruses. It's because it feels good to win. Thanks for the awesome memories and for giving me the opportunity to share them. Uh, it completely blew my mind that you talked about TI-86 Mario. I wish I could play all the levels my friend made years, my friends and I made years ago. But I erased them with my fucking virus. <laughs> <laughs> Alas, they no longer exist, but in my cloudy memory, which will itself find its own doom in the eventual grave. If you find out oh, how to get a wow. copy of the game, let me know. Poignant. Maybe we can exchange levels sometime. It'd be cool if there's a community that shared and rated levels they've created. I love the podcast more now than ever, Cliff. P.S. I have a copy of id Software's Doom port of the calculator. <laughs> Maybe I can share that with you as well. Yeah. Cliff, you are in luck because I just confirmed the other day that TICalc.org, which is where I got all this stuff. I don't know about you, Cliff, but um, I got all that, that stuff from there back in the day. And in fact um, – there is still an entire, like a huge FTP. Full, you could just upload stuff to the site via FTP, as I recall. Um, and uh, it's really well organized. You're and telling him he's going to put Doom up there. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can still go to the T86 Mario folder, and there's a subfolder of user created levels, and there's a ton of them in there. And you can sort Are yours in there? Are yours in mine, there? The, my World 1 is in there. It is Criston. C-H-R-Y-S-T-O-N. Right, Chris Ramo with the code for level two. Yeah, it does. And I don't have those ones anymore, obviously. But Kriston World 1 is still in there. From And it's crazy because the like last modified date, which is just when the file was uploaded, and it was from 1999. Um, mine was actually one of the earlier ones in that folder. Like if you sort by date. You were early to the T86 Mario <laughs> scene. Um, I think 98 was the earliest ones, and then the latest ones were 2005. There hasn't been anything uploaded to that folder since 2005. Wow. Um, yes. New files about to be added, it sounds like. <laughs> well, Doom is not a Mario level. He would have to put it somewhere else. But he'll probably rename it, like, Super Mario 3D Land Recreated, like, <laughs> right. Level 2. Like, something like, oh, my God, somebody built an entire level in the new... Oh. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it makes me really want to... Uh, 
play this again, but I don't. There probably isn't a good way to do that. There's um, got to be a T eighty six emulator. Yeah, probably. Yeah, um, but anyway, but you can yeah. then use an NES controller to play, and it would be really ridiculous. Oh yeah, that'd be really funny. Um, um, but yeah, that that whole site is still up. The archive is still completely up. All those levels are still there. My stupid levels are still there, which I don't remember the slightest thing about. Um, yeah, it's weird. It was weird to see. It was crazy to come up against like digital evidence of what feels like essentially just a past life of mine. Right. Um, you know, that was what, 14 years ago? Um, which, you know, in the grand scheme of things is nothing. But I mean, on the internet, it's a long fucking time. Right. Um, it's like and, half the life of the internet. Yeah. Like I, I, when I have a zip file in it where windows just says last modified and it says like 1992 or something like that shit still blows my mind. Seeing that in the digital realm is such a crazy thing because everything is so transient, right. especially on the internet. Like that's going away because everything is constantly being like recreated like automatically on servers. But um, when you end up with some file that is actually just genuinely old, you know, it's, I, it kind of blows my mind a little bit. Right. You know? Yeah, I remember thinking it was really cool that I had MP3 files that were, that said 1996 on them, even though they were just like cooked bullshit that had weird like blips all over them and stuff. Right. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah, at some point I uploaded them to a cloud service and it recognized them as legitimate files, and now will only right, serve me the them master ones. Yeah, right, so I don't exactly. have yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't have my old high school MP3s anymore. Mm-hmm. But I did fool uh, the Apple <laughs> cloud service, obviously, into <laughs> thinking that those files that I downloaded from my friend's web server in 1996 were a CD that I bought. So that's good, I guess. The internet. Take that, Steve Jobs. Oof. So soon. You knew what he was getting into. <laughs> yeah. But the iTunes match service, it's a fantastic service. I use the Amazon Anyway, if you have questions Club for us, player, please write similar. some questions at idlethumbs.net. <laughs> Audible podcast. <laughs> uh, cool. Cool. All right. Thanks, guys. See you next week. Goodbye. In every episode of that from now on. That's my goof. Five.